Welcome to Terwilliger Community Church. My name is Pastor Adam, and welcome to the season of Advent. You know, it was a Christmas in the 90s when a young elementary-aged boy marveled as gifts began to accumulate underneath the tree. Boxes wrapped in reds and greens and golds and white began to fill the once empty space that, occup- that was between the bottom of the tree and the floor. And as these gifts accumulated, this young boy took it upon himself the responsibility to sort and organize these gifts. And he paid particular attention to the ones that had his name. Those he would pick up and hold up to his ear. He'd give him a little shake. And he waited for a feeling or a sound that might indicate what was being held within the paper. These gifts were like an obsession to him, so much so that on the days leading up to Christmas, the boy began moving the presents that bore his name from under the tree and putting them in his bedroom. Because you never know, there might be a break-in, a fire, or some sort of other event that would take place in the living room and threaten the well-being of his gifts. The gifts were simply safer next to him while he slept, rather than left in the living room. Well, this little boy, of course, was me. And when I think about growing up at Christmas and all the anticipation of receiving a gift, I can't actually remember any of the gifts I received as a kid. Maybe some of you can. But I, I was trying to think about it. Space, ba- Space Jam pajamas come to mind. That's like all I can remember from my childhood, um, which is great. But um, when we think about Christmas, I'm sure we all have memories of anticipation because that's what I remember. I remember being that little boy who was watching as the house filled with decorations. I remember being that little boy who welcomed grandma and grandpa as they came into the house. And, and I took quickly from them the gifts that they were holding and the Tim Hortons uh, 12 pack of donuts that they brought as well. And there's all this anticipation, all this expectation, all this hope. And throughout the month of December, this is what we do. We anticipate decorating our homes and filling it with with new colors and new light. We anticipate the giving and receiving of gifts by going shopping and and seeking out that perfect gift that you want to pass on to someone. We eagerly coordinate our calendars with our friends and family to make sure that the month of December does not pass by without us getting together to celebrate. And as we shop, as we decorate, as we stock the kitchen and go about all these things. We do all of this and then we wait. We do all of this and then we hope. We hope for great experiences. Well, every year we enter as a church into a season called Advent. Advent begins today. It's the fourth Sunday that takes place before Christmas Day. And Advent is all about anticipation and waiting It's all about preparation and expectation. Advent is all about hope. And this is very much in contrast to our culture because in our culture, they want to celebrate Christmas Day from a church calendar perspective. They want to celebrate Christmas Day every day of December. We want the lights. We want the festivities. We want the celebration. But in contrast to this, Advent was not about festivity. Rather, it was about solemn waiting. It was meant to provide an opportunity for us to remember our need for Jesus. It's meant to be a time where we reflect on perhaps sin that was in our lives that we once brought before God and initially received salvation. 
It was meant for us to reflect on the, the struggles that we have in our own life and the longing we have for God to make things right. Advent was meant for us to think about all that's going on in our world and see the chaos and the confusion and see that things are not well. And we're supposed to sit with that longing and desire that God would make it right. Advent is about sitting and staring into the darkness, longing for the light. If our culture were to pull characters from the Bible that represented Christmas and the month of December, they'd probably choose the angels who came to the shepherds and said, Glory to God in the highest, peace on earth, goodwill to men. But the author of the Advent resource that we're encouraging each of you to pick up says that a better character from the Bible for the season of Advent is John the Baptist. The crazy man wandering in the desert who comes to Israel and says, prepare your hearts for what God is about to do. Expect God to do something. So as we spend time in December preparing to celebrate Christmas with friends and family, Advent invites us to another layer of preparation. A preparation of our hearts. It invites us to immerse ourselves in hope. Advent invites us to immerse our hearts in the hope-filled anticipation of our coming Savior. It's about looking at the world, seeing the darkness, and longing for light. And when I think about that element of Advent, I can't help but reflect on the reality that there's all sorts of type, these Advent types of waiting seasons in our life. Advent is like the family that's facing unemployment and financial pressures, wondering where the money is going to come to pay the bills. Advent is like the sick person waiting on a diagnosis or who's in the middle of treatment, wondering if they will ever feel like themselves again. Advent is my sister who's currently waiting day after day in a NICU with her premature daughter, wondering what the future will hold. Advent is the parent or grandparent watching a beloved child stray further and further from you and you're left longing for them to come home. Advent is the couple who've been married for years going through relational problems and strains and they're arguing more than ever and they're wondering if they'll ever make it through their present issues and love one another again. Advent is the student in school who just isn't loving being there who's frustrated with their classmates. They, they feel alone and they wonder if they'll ever feel better in their classroom. Advent is like the one struggling with depression and anxiety that debilitates them at times and they wonder, will I ever be well? Friends, these are seasons like Advent, seasons of staring into the darkness, longing for it to be right. But these experiences and these stories that we have are not unique to humanity, are they? When we look at the Bible, we start in Genesis and we see all these stories of people staring into darkness, longing for light. It starts with Adam and Eve who get cast out of the garden and their perfect relationship with God and one another is now shattered and they wonder, will it be right again? It's Abraham and Sarah who are told that they will be the parents of a great nation who are infertile and can't have kids. And month after month of infertility, they're staring into darkness, wondering if it will ever be light. Advent is like the, the, the children of Abraham who are living in oppression in Egypt under Pharaoh. And they're crying out to God to deliver them. 
wondering if he will. Advent is like King David who's promised that he is going to become the king of Israel and spends year after year on the run from Saul. Advent is like Israel who, as Anna just mentioned in the kids' spotlight, end up exiled from their land living in Babylon. And in that place, in that context, wondering if God will ever restore them back to the land. And it's in these Advent moments, in these experiences of wondering and longing, of waiting, that we are invited to hope. Where hope actually emerges. Isaiah chapter 9 is a familiar passage, and as Anna read for us from Jeremiah, similarly we have Isaiah prophesying to the nation of Israel who are dealing with exile, who are dealing with the threat of being removed from their land. They're living in a place of darkness. And in Isaiah chapter 9, if you have your Bibles, you can turn there. Isaiah has these words from God. The people who walked in darkness have seen a great light. Those who dwelt in the land of deep darkness, on them a light has shone. You have multiplied the nation. You have increased its joy. They rejoice before you as with joy at the harvest. And they are glad with the divide of the spoil. The yoke of their burden is broken. And every boot of the trampling warrior, all the battles that have gone, those battles have come to end. Isaiah comes and he prophesies this message from God to the people of Israel saying, Light is coming. Light is coming. And the question emerges, well, how are you going to do it? How is light going to come? How is God going to reach into this situation and make things right? Well, we keep reading in Isaiah 9, verse 6. For unto us a child is born. To us a son is given. And the government shall be upon his shoulders. And his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor. Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. In the context of Isaiah... This is the third reference to a baby. How's God going to do it? How's he going to make things right? He's going to send a baby. A child. We, of course, know this to be Jesus. Friends, the hope in our waiting, in our seasons of Advent, comes to us in the person of Jesus. And this, of course, is what we celebrate at Christmas. This is what we anticipate during Advent. This is a hope that speaks to our darkness, no matter what our darkness is. That the expectation and longing caused by various difficulties has been met now in the person of Jesus. He is God stepping into our impossible situations and meeting us in the midst of our darkness and bringing light. He is Emmanuel, God with us. He is with us in the midst of financial strain, in the midst of broken relationships, in the midst of wondering if we'll ever feel okay again, in the midst of sickness, in the midst of death, in the midst of agony. He is with us. He's with us. And that anticipation is what Advent is all about the answer to Israel's darkness in Isaiah 9 is the same answer that comes to us in our darkness. And when I think about Advent, I believe that this, the yearly observance of this season of Advent allows us the opportunity to grow in properly practicing hope. 
You know, it's interesting when I think about Christmas, it's so easy for us to reflect on the hope of Jesus. We think about our personal sin and yes, Jesus has come and made things better in that regard. We might think about lost friends or people who are going through a difficult situation who don't know Jesus. And we think if only they knew Jesus, then they would have hope. But for some reason, once December passes and the tree goes back into the box, it's like we forget that Jesus is our hope from January to November as much as he is our hope in December. When we have that longing and expectation well up in us, it can be more difficult to hope. The season of Advent gives us opportunity to practice our hope. Practice putting our hope in Jesus. Orienting our hearts and our lives around him. And while we can sense and feel the closest of Jesus as it relates to our salvation and our eternal security, perhaps we wish that he was more tangible in other types of darkness that we find ourselves walking in. Well, friends, I want to encourage us this morning that the hope we practice and feel at Christmas is just as available and real to us, no matter our longing or our darkness, no matter the time of year. So the question then emerges, how do we allow the hope of Advent and the hope of Christmas to extend far beyond this season? The text that I've chosen is kind of an anchor passage. I don't love preaching topical messages. I really struggle to figure them out. But um, I've chosen Romans chapter 5 verses 1 to 5, which the Lee family read for us um, on the video. I encourage you to turn there in your Bibles if you like. And I believe here we have Paul who's looking back at the cross. Christ has come. He's lived. He died. He rose again. He ascended into heaven. And as Paul looks back on that, He reflects on all that Christ has done and the hope that we have in him. I think in the midst of this, we have um, some application for us this morning about how we can extend the hope of Christmas in our lives. And the first thing I think we see in this text is that we need to anchor our hope in the gospel. We have to anchor our hope in the fact that God is with us. We have to anchor our hope in the fact that Jesus is the one that we are waiting for. Romans chapter 5, verse 1 and 2, we read, Therefore, since we have been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Through him, we have also obtained access by faith into his grace, which we stand, and we rejoice in the hope of the glory of God. The human longing to be made right, to have peace with God and yourself, to be at home with God, Paul is saying all of this has been met in Jesus. Jesus is the answer to our deeper human problems. And when we live believing that Jesus is the answer to our greatest human problems, we view all of our other problems in a different light. And I think what happens for us once December moves on and we're kind of into the regular rhythms of the year, it is all too easy for us to misplace our hope all too easy for us to misplace our hope. And while we can think that, yeah, Jesus is the answer to my deepest human problems, when problems emerge, do we actually live in that reality? Hope is the expectation of coming good based on the character and nature of God. The hope that we read about in Scripture is about trusting that God is going to do what he said he is going to do. Greek philosophy looked at hope and just saw that hope was simply 
one other element of what it meant to be human, that humans hoped. But they also identified that it was reflective of both good and bad experiences. You hoped in a subjective experience. You longed for the best, but there was no guarantee that it would come. But if we recognize that all of our darkness at its root and at its core finds a place in our deepest human longings that have been met in Jesus... As Christians, the hope that we have, we believe and we know that no matter the outcome of an unfavorable situation or circumstance, we have Jesus. And that things are are all right in him. But the trouble is we often take that hope in Jesus and we, we take our hope and we place it on something else. Oilers fans know this all too well. Year after year, we long that the Oilers will take that Stanley Cup and bring it home, right? And every year the season starts off and we hope and we believe that it's going to be this year. And it's going to be this year, right? It's looking that way, right? Like things look great. But we put our hope in that. And I have to say we've been a little disappointed the last few years, haven't we? And while our starring player has affectionately been called McJesus. His working salvation has never been enough. Year after year, they haven't brought that Stanley Cup home. But in a more serious note, I think about this past year and a half, journeying through a global pandemic. So many different times, different months, this hope emerges that for that next government announcement, that next policy, that next change, that next thing, and we, what's going to happen? Are things going to be normal again? Are we going to go back to normal soon? And we hope and we expect and we long. And then the disappointment just comes. One season after another. And we look at our lives a year and a half into this and we're like, oh, I can't believe it's been a year and a half. But be it placing our hope in a resolved pandemic, be it placing our hope in financial stability, be it placing our hope in relationships or friendships, or placing our hope in physical or mental health, none of these things, nothing other than God can properly bear the weight of the hope we place upon it. Nothing other than God can properly bear the weight of the hope you place upon it. It cannot address the deepest longing in our hearts that we expect them to. And sometimes when we are disappointed in hope, we are left in darkness. And we are left even more disappointed. My wife, Jolene, I was thinking and contemplating this whole idea of hope last month and went on to write a blog post about it. And uh, she, she wrote these words that I thought were just wonderful. That these other things, they can't bear the weight of the hope of glory that has been etched upon the human heart. Because even good things, when our hope is placed fully upon them, will come crashing down. Friends, our hope must be in God alone. We cannot take the weight of our human expectation and our human longing and place it upon financial security or great relationships. We cannot take the weight of our human longing and place it upon experiences. If I just have this or obtained that or possessions, if I just am healthy and everything is good, if I just achieve that life abundant, that idea I have in my head, then everything will be okay. All of those things were never meant to bear the weight of the longing that's in your heart. 
Only Jesus can bear that weight. And I think that this means we have to wrestle with the reality that God's best for us might be different than what we think our best should be. God's best for us might be different than what we think our best should be. That in the midst of hope and longing for a specific outcome, that longing might be disappointed. We might trust in God and hope that he will come through in a certain way and then we feel like he doesn't. But that does not change his goodness. It does not change his love for you. We have to rest in the reality and, and wrestle with the fact that sometimes our misplaced hope is actually a reflection of idolatry in our hearts. Where our love for Jesus has shifted and now we're loving something else. We have to wrestle with passages like Philippians 1.21 where Paul says, for me, to live and, for, for me to live is Christ and to die is gain. And Philippians 3, 7 to 9, but whatever were gains to me, I now consider loss for the sake of Christ. You see, Paul wrote these words because he understood that the deepest human longing within him was satisfied in Jesus. And in the midst of his disappointments, in the midst of his struggles, in the midst of his imprisonment, he could still say that for him to live is Christ and to die is gain. He had placed the deepest longings of his heart upon Jesus and he was not disappointed. Secondly, in our text, I think we see that we can boast in our sufferings. How do we orient our hope? We boast in suffering. What? Paul goes on. Not only that, but we rejoice. That's ESV, a better translation, I think, is boast. We boast in our sufferings. Knowing that suffering produces endurance, and endurance produces character, and character produces hope, and hope does not put us to shame because God's love has been poured into our hearts through the Holy Spirit has been given to us. We boast in our sufferings. Why can we boast in our suffering? Well, because of hope. We can boast in our suffering because we believe that God is going to move. God is going to respond. We believe that God is with us in the midst of our darkness. We believe that he's with us in the waiting. We believe that no matter how dark it is, there is light and it is coming so we can boast in the midst of our suffering. Because the end resolve of our suffering isn't our absolute defeat. It's not us coming undone. We can endure hardships without falling apart because we know that God has acted in the past and he will act again. We can endure hardships without freaking out and losing our minds in the midst of it because we believe and know that God has acted in the past and he will act again. The hope that we have in Jesus is that no matter a situation's outcome, God has given us himself in the person of Jesus. Church, do you believe that this morning? That you have God And the person of Jesus, by the power of the Spirit, living with you, within you, no matter your circumstance, no circumstance, no matter your situation, which means that you have within you the capacity to live an abundant life that you were made for. And that hope we have in Christ does not disappoint us. It does not put us to shame. Another element of Advent is that Advent is not just about remembering Christ's first arrival. But Advent hopes for Christ's second coming. It hopes for Christ's second coming. 
We do Advent well when we look around the world and we see the mess that it's in. We do Advent well when we look around the world and we're just like, man, things are not the way that it's supposed to be. This is not the way that God created things to be. And when we sit in that, we allow the longing for Christ to come again and make things right. We allow that longing to, to come to life in our hearts. That is a huge part of what Advent is all about. Because when we read the New Testament, we see that Christ has come. That's Christmas. And that he is coming again. His second coming. And sometimes we don't think about that too much here in the West. And we need to. In Matthew 24, Jesus said that, that, that then it appear in heaven the sign of the Son of Man. When all tribes of the earth will mourn. And they will see the Son of Man coming on the clouds of heaven with power and great glory. In Acts chapter 1, angels look at the disciples who are staring up into heaven watching Jesus go. And they're saying, where did he go? And the angels come and they say, men of Galilee, why do you stand looking into heaven? This Jesus who was taken up from you in heaven will come the same way as you saw him going to heaven. And of course, Revelation, the end of our Bible, concludes with these words of Jesus. And behold, I am. And coming soon. Blessed is the one who keeps the words of the prophecy of this book. Friends, Christ will come again. And it's the knowledge of this. It's the hope of this. It's the longing for this that enables us to boast in our suffering. Because he will have the final say. He will make things right again. And the final piece from this text then I want to highlight for us is how do we take hope beyond the season is that we make much of the gift of God's Spirit. We make much of the gift of God's Spirit. In Romans 5, hope does not put us to shame. Why? Because God's love has been poured into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who has been given to us. A pastor named Tyler Staten who is over at Bridgetown Church, he asks this question, How many of you would trade your experience with the Holy Spirit up to this point with the opportunity to sit down with Jesus face to face? How many of you would trade your experience with the Holy Spirit up to this point with the opportunity to sit down with Jesus face to face? And when I hear that question, I have to be honest, a part of me is like, yeah, I I probably would. And Tyler goes on to say that when it comes to our experiences with the Holy Spirit, many of us are underwhelmed. Especially in those times of Advent, in those times of waiting, in those times of staring into darkness and we're wondering where God is, we're kind of underwhelmed. God, where are you? And this is perhaps a terrible thing to bring up at Christmas time. But did you realize that Jesus told us that it's to our advantage, that it would be better for us that he goes away? In John chapter 16, Before Christ's death, he says to his disciples, Very truly, I tell you, it is for your good that I am going away. Unless I go away, the advocate will not come to you. But if I go away, I will send him to you. So while we might long to trade our experiences with the Holy Spirit up to this point, to have a face-to-face interaction with Jesus, Jesus is saying, you might think you want that, but that's not really what you want. It's actually better for you that I go away. It's better for you that I send you the gift of my spirit. And one of the gifts of Christ's coming was the sending of his spirit. 
that God's Spirit became available to all people. And friends, I believe that the hope we have in Christ that we experience at Christmas is extended to us in a lived reality by the power of God's Spirit at work in our lives. Tyler Staten goes on in his message on the Holy Spirit to say that many of us, too many of us, the Holy Spirit is nothing but a familiar stranger. A concept or an idea that we talk about at church, but not someone who we're intimately knowing and being known by. But when we read the New Testament, when we look at the outworkings of God's Spirit in our life, we see that by God's Spirit, we experience the presence and the peace and the hope and the love of Jesus as we, we sit with God's Spirit and allow Him to speak to us. When we slow down in our lives and, and wait for the Spirit's voice and allow Him to speak to us in the midst of our darkness, allow Him to speak to us in the midst of our waiting. It's recognizing that when you come to church that you sit here among many other brothers and sisters who also have the Spirit of God in their hearts and in their lives. And that spirit unites us together. It encourages us. It empowers us that though we might feel like we are in darkness, we know and we experience that we are not alone. And we experience strength and empowerment to move forward and not only move forward limping along, but move forward in strength. I want to suggest that the many of us reasons that many of us, of us struggle with experiencing hope in God is that we just make little of the Spirit of God. But friends, the Spirit is a gift. God's presence with and within us, empowering us in and out of season, bringing us our greatest joy and comforting us in our deepest sorrows, giving us the words to say when we feel there are no words, giving us the prayers to pray when we don't even want to look at God. The Spirit is with us. So how do we extend the hope we experience at Advent into the rest of the year? Well, we anchor it in the hope of the gospel. We boast in our sufferings. We make much of God's Spirit. So friends, welcome to the season of Advent. And my prayer for you is that in these weeks leading up to Christmas, it would be an opportunity for you to practice proper hope. To take all of the longing that's in your heart and bring it to God. To look around the world and see the brokenness or be mindful of friends or family who aren't doing well and and bring them to God with eager expectation that God has acted in the past Christmas and he will act again. I want to encourage you, uh, perhaps today, uh, my family is, we're going to be decorating our house today with all of our Christmas stuff, and I'm of the belief that you wait till the first Sunday of Advent. That's when you should set up your tree, okay? It's my official word to you. Um, so my daughters and I went and picked up a tree on Friday, and it's in the backyard, and we're going to set it all up today. But find a candle or a light or something that you can set up somewhere in your house where you see it. Somewhere that's obvious, maybe you walk past it every day, but do not light it and do not turn it on. And let it sit there all through Advent, turned off. And every time you see that light or that candle, think about the darkness. 
Think about the darkness. Allow yourself to enter into Advent. Allow yourself to be filled with the anticipation of that candle being lit or that light being turned on. Throughout Advent, we use these candles each week. We'll be lighting a different one. The one in the center is the Christ candle. We do not light that candle until Christmas Eve. So I just want to invite you to find something in your home to join with us in that, that there's going to be one light that you leave off until Christmas Eve and allow yourself to experience that anticipation of Advent. I'm going to invite the worship team forward. So friends, let us use this season of Advent to practice that proper hope. And for some of you, when I talk about the spirit that might be really confusing, I I really believe that that journey begins with, with you sitting and quieting yourself before the Lord. Of saying to God, to his spirit, I'm available, I'm here. Of taking those concerns and maybe you write them all down, all those areas of of hurt and brokenness and anticipation and waiting and you just pray through each one and you ask that the Holy Spirit would be with you as you give these things up to God. It's finding a friend and and talking with them about these things and praying together and allowing the, the encouragement of the presence of the Spirit just to fill both of your hearts. Don't go through the season of Advent without taking time to deepen your relationship with the Spirit of God. Let's pray. Now, Father, we praise you for this season of Advent. And God, we recognize that many of us, there, there is a darkness. There's, there's things that readily come to mind when we think about waiting and, and expectation and longing. And so, Jesus, we just open our hands to you this morning. And we, we say we want to properly practice hope. And we say thank you, Jesus, for the work that you have done and the reality that you will continue to work. We praise you and we thank you, Lord Jesus. Amen.